your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785, like the guy just said, right? You heard it, you heard it. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. I'm Rick Solom. In the studio with me is the On Alaska. Now, now, forgive me if I say lacrosse every once in a while because I say lacrosse all the time. But the On Alaska School Superintendent. Now, are you Doctor Todd and Tony? Nope, just no, Mister. Mister. <laughs> Mister. Todd and Tony. Uh, and you've been doing. You've been the superintendent for four years. Um, what did you do before that? Yeah, before that, <laughs> I um, actually started my my teaching career in 1991. I was a third grade teacher. Uh, down in the Milwaukee area, and then also held positions as technology coordinator, associate principal, and principal, uh, and then moved to western Wisconsin. I was the elementary principal at Lincoln Elementary up in Almond Humber, Maryland, north of Black River Falls, for a number of years before taking the job as elementary principal in Irving Perch in Onalaska. Now you were a technology what coordinator. Coordinator. Yep. What, what year do you think about was that? Well, I remember that it was through the um, through the uh, two thousand technology okay, scare. Okay, so right when yep. we started getting the internet and Y two K. Yes, yes. Because like, I feel like the internet was we were doing internet a little bit in like the late nineties in high school. But oh, absolutely. It was, it was like yep. kind of dial up, and I mean, it was the, the idea of it now. The, you know, kids are probably like, you did what? It's vastly changed. Um, but yeah, because uh, that job, I mean, that was a weird transition. Not a weird transition. Probably like an interesting uh, job to have during that transition right there. Absolutely. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, and a lot of what I did was to work with not only one school in particular in Milwaukee, but with a number of schools on uh, managing uh, their E-rate application, which was a new federal program that came out at the time, too, which... Um, was grant money for Im- Im- implementing technology projects into schools. Now, I brought you on today. You want to talk about the Onalaska school referendum. I also have, you know, a couple of other things. Uh, child poverty, I-, I think if we can get in that that a little bit if we have time. And then you have a, you know, a 2022 to 2027, like, Onalaska school strategic plan, right? That's correct. So yes. I want to get into those. But I-, I do want to ask you as the superintendent and working in the schools all the time, where does Halloween rank as being somebody in the schools, like on the list of this is a day that I would love to be in a school right now? Yeah, I, when I was elementary principal, I, I, I did a quick calculation. If I ate every birthday treat, every piece of candy that came on my desk for celebrations like Halloween, it would have been another 57,000 calories a year. <laughs> uh, so those celebrations are are interesting and important for school climate and culture. And we try to make sure that they're inclusive of all students in our schools. So, And then walk in the hallways, is, is it a, I don't know, do our kids, they got to be dressed up today, right? The walking in the hallways has got to be kind of funny. Yeah, I think that tradition has changed a bit over time. But uh, when I was principal, absolutely, uh, the kids came dressed up and we had a parade and, and all those types of things. Yeah, the amount of candy. Yeah, I asked the lacrosse school's, uh, teachers union president, you know, do you get an apple on your desk? He's a teacher, obviously. He, do you get an apple on your desk? And he's like, I haven't had an apple yet. <laughs> and I was like, but I wonder, I wonder uh, how many pieces of candy. I feel like the teachers, it's a burden on the teachers. They have to bring the candy. The kids aren't bringing them candy. So um, another thing that teachers are burdened with buying uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> candy for schools. 
Um, all right. So Todd and Tony is, is going to talk to us about the school referendum. Just a, a broad, broadly, we can talk about this quick before we go to our first break. Um, you told me an, a stat. Now, I, I wrote down like on on the I think asking voters, you know, the, the voting period ends Tuesday uh, for referendums this voting period. So mm-hmm. so right now, I believe there's 58 school districts asking for asking the taxpayers for money and you said how many over the last since spring yeah so between last spring and now november 8th i read an article a couple of weeks ago that there were actually 92 public school districts going to referendum for operations that didn't even include referendums for capital projects that's about 25 percent of the school districts public school districts in wisconsin which is just an incredibly high number. And I think it does talk a little bit to uh, the state of, of funding a public education at the state level. Now, can you just briefly give us an overview of what, because I believe, obviously, the lacrosse school district, I believe, has the biggest referendum on the ballot right now, $194.7 million for building a new high school and then and cons- consolidating. Bangor, I believe, has a, like a $24 million referendum. We don't have to get the details there. Holman, right above you, right north of you, uh, also a 75. And yours is a $75 million referendum. Now, you said operations. You, there, there's also capital. What would you – is yours a mix, or what would you call yours? Well, so for the school district of Onalaska, uh, our residents will see two separate referendum questions on the ballot on November 8th. One is an operational referendum, which actually is an ask for a continuation of an existing operational referendum. We've um, relied on that type of referendum going back to 2006 to help support our annual operating budget. This is stuff like paying for that candy, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, and, and, and electricity and heat and, and transportation, all those things. Uh, And then the second question is asking permission to bond up to $75 million for a capital project, which will allow us to basically remodel the middle school and address some of the most pressing needs at our high school. All right. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. We're going to take a break for Brad doing the news. We'll come back and and talk about the Onalaska School District in general and the referendum. I went through a little phase where I had a mullet in like middle school and listened to the Who. I don't know if the Who is affiliated with mullets, but I was. 608-785-7914. This is Todd Antony's request here, the Who he wanted to play. Uh, Anthony Antony, sorry, I read that and then I don't read it correctly. Uh, Todd Antony is the Onalaska School Superintendent. He's been doing that for four years. Brought him in today to talk about the school referendum as uh lacrosse has the biggest one in the state uh holman has a a similar price tag as yours even though you said yours is two different two different referendum questions and then bangor south of here i believe bangor south south ish of here uh has like a 24 million dollar referendum but um all right so you have capital referendum and operational referendum that's correct yep can is the now the total is 75 million are those divided up then one is like 50 million and one is the 75 million dollars is the capital referendum oh okay the operational referendum is separate and it starts out at about 4.6 million a year and then gradually steps up each year for five years and you said and you said we were you've been doing that since 2006 on alaska has uh um, used an operational referendum going back to 2006 and usually their four or five year 
um, terms of a referendum, and then we go back when we reassess where we're at with our annual budget um, to determine the need to continue it and the amount. All right, operational referendum. Now you mentioned um, paying the bills, so electricity, heat, whatever, all that stuff. Uh, getting the buses going, mm-hmm. paying the bus drivers, mm-hmm. so paying the teachers then too. Yes, absolutely. Um, anything obscure? Is that is that is that kind of sum it all up? Paying, well, if, paying for the the new chalkboards. I guess they're not using chalkboards anymore, but no. <laughs> but you could look at it as basically your your annual home budget and everything that goes into it. So your electric bills, your heating bills, your water and sewage bills. Um, of course, yes, salary and benefits make up about 80% of our annual budget because um, schooling is a very uh, human-intensive endeavor when we talk about meeting the needs of our students and their families. So, so that's a big chunk of it. Um, in addition to, yes, um, the need for uh, investments in technology and, and every other aspect of the annual operational part of the district. Now, when you came here four years ago, was this the first thing you had to deal with, or did it pass already and then you would become superintendent? Yeah, when I started, um, the uh, community had just passed another operational referendum. So we're actually in year four of that current one. Um, and so we're looking then at what will happen when the current one comes to an end and how do we need to move forward with the ask for another one. And that one comes to an end in, after 2023? 23-24. Okay. And it, this is a little unique, um, the operational referendum. The first year of the new one would actually be the same year as the last year of the existing one. Okay. Yeah, that's why the price tag is like $1.4 million for the first year and then it jumps up because... Because they're coinciding with each other, right? Exactly. So if you combine the amount of the first year with the the last year of the existing one, it comes out to be four point six million. But the new, the first year of the new referendum is one point two five million. All right. And going back to this, doing this since two thousand six, has there ever been a year where the voters said no to this? No, we've been very fortunate to have broad support from the community for our operational referendums. Uh, they've been approved uh, each time going back to the 2006. What would happen if it didn't pass? Well, it's about 8% of our annual operating budget. So you can imagine the district would look significantly different if we had to go through a process of determining uh, 8%, doing without 8% of our annual budget. So it's um, something that if, if we were to find ourselves in that situation, we would have to sit down have very careful and and um, uh, informed conversations about this is chopping block stuff, right? Like, you're, what would what would go on the chopping block, or at least partially on the chopping block? Yeah, I, that that's definitely the reality of it. Um, but the other reality would be also then um, if the answer was no, to find out exactly what the concerns were by the community and see if there's an opportunity to go back to ask in a different way, in a smaller amount in the spring election. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's on this refer- on this ballot, if it didn't pass for some reason, and if it has passed since 2006, you're probably feeling okay about that. Uh, you're doing it ahead of time enough where you're like, okay, well, we have another chance. We'll go back to the community, ask them in a different way, or ask for different Right, like just negotiate a little bit. Well, I think that that's the the basic point is to understand what the concerns were that led to a referendum not being successful and then working with everyone involved, including the school board and 
and uh, representatives of the community to see if uh, there's another way to go about it. Um, I think I'm, I'm learning as we go here. So, and I, I'm hoping that people listening are also learning doing this since 2006, asking, is that weird? Is other school districts always do this too? Or is this a, is this another one of those red flags? Hey, state legislature, look what, look how we're doing this. We have to ask and, and hope this is like, I don't know, like when, uh, when, when people talk about cutting social security and going to Congress each term or each year to refund, to, to renegotiate social security. And then one day, one year it doesn't pass. And you're like, Oh bleep. Now what are we going to do? Um, I don't know. It seems like that, if that didn't pass, you might, be, you might be, Oh bleep. Well, now what are we going to do? But is there, is there a gap here in the state legislature where, Hey, if we did, if we filled in this gap, then we wouldn't have to go to taxpayers every what, four years or so. Yeah, about every five years is the what the way Onalaska's approached it, and I, I think um, where we are is definitely the reality of of how the state funds public education. Um, since 1993, uh, public education has operated under what are called revenue limits, uh, where um, the state has imposed limits on the amount of money that can be um, dedicated to public education. For quite a few years, that limit was indexed to inflation. So you were, there was some certainty in budgeting, in knowing that each year you were going to see an increase relative to um, inflation. In 2006, the state stopped indexing it to inflation, and then it became very uncertain. Every two years when the state passes their biennial budget, um, the legislature and the governor uh, determine what level of funding they're going to approve through the biennial budget for public education. And uh, for, for an example, the current biennial budget, um, we, we hear often about a historical investment in public education in this budget, but the reality is uh, that that money was invested without raising the revenue limit. So all of that money is going to property tax relief, and there's zero spendable money for public school districts from the current biennial budget. So last year and this current year, we're operating with no new spendable money from the state. Okay, so they it, it looks good in writing. Look at how much we're investing in schools. It sounds good to homeowners who are going, well, look at the property tax break I'm getting. And then the school district on the flip side goes, okay, now that you got those property tax breaks, we're going to ask you for more money through property taxes, right? Through taxes to help fund the schools that, because so it's just kind of like a big circle here. It, it, it definitely probably appears that way. And um, when the state passed the current biennial budget, the message was very clear that um, there was an expectation that public schools utilize that one time federal money related to COVID to meet your annual budgetary obligations which is unfortunate in my perspective in that, that the, the reason for that money was to be additional money to assist students' learning losses and to accelerate learning due to the pandemic. Yeah. But we're having to divert um, a, quite a bit of that money to our, just our regular operational budget. Um, and that leaves then a hole in the budget after the one-time federal money is gone uh, that needs to somehow be filled in. Yeah, I've talked about this before, and I, you know, sometimes it's, it may be too basic, but uh, the the state, the feds always come to the state with money to expand Badger Care, 
And the state never accepts that money because what happens when the feds don't come to to fund Badger Care and then the state will be out like $10 million or whatever it is. And then the state will have to figure out how to pay that difference, even though feds have come to uh, fund Badger Care for like over a decade every year or every two years or whatever it is. And uh, it never all, all that happens is Wisconsin loses hundreds of millions of dollars over that time. So it's kind of the kind of the reverse thinking here is the state now is asking schools, hey, use this one time federal money that they actually know isn't going to come around the next time around. And also, you're supposed to use that federal money when kids are remote learning, probably to invest in in some kind of uh, training for teachers to to better remote learn, maybe technology and and supplies to remote learn and beyond that even. And, and then when the kids come back, I mean, just all the things that 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 were affected because of COVID. Right. And, and uh, Onalaska is no different than the, the state when we are looking at standardized test scores. Our test scores did take a dip uh, uh, because of COVID. Um, they've rebounded this year, uh, but they're still not back to pre-pandemic levels. So the, the federal money is, is uh, and our plan for utilizing it, was meant to add additional services uh, for students through summer school programming, through tutors that are coming into the buildings during the day, through after-school tutoring, uh, through other partnerships to um, to ensure that we can accelerate our students' learning back to pre-pandemic levels and even higher. Right. And so it's unfortunate that uh, we're in a situation here now where a lot of that money is being diverted to basic operational expenses. Right. And, and the whole time the state legislature is also sitting on like $4 billion in uh, budget surplus that could also be invested right into the, what you're talking about. If you're di- diverting uh, money that could go right into investing in kids to investing in keeping the schools lit, essentially, uh, well, then use the budget surplus. But we're not doing anything with that either. Todd Antonio is the Todd Antonio is the Onalaska. I made you Spanish. I don't know uh, the Onalaska school superintendent. When we come back, we're going to talk about the big school referendum, the seventy-five million dollar capital referendum. Yes, right? Capital All right. We'll be back after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. We're reading text here. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. If you get a question here, Onalaska school superintendent Todd Antoni is in here. He's been the superintendent in Onalaska for four years. We got done talking about the the capital referendum. Is that the best way to put that? The, the cap- operational referendum. Operational referendum. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about capital here in a minute. But yep. uh, just real quick, how excited are you? The football team is like two wins away from getting to Camp Randall. Um, and I, I'm I, when I when I looked into this and, and was just – it's hard not to look ahead – Pass this week and see like this potential West Salem on Alaska matchup. I don't know if you're doing the same thing because that was a one point game way back in week one of the season, and right. these two teams are just probably clamoring to play each other again. I'm sure they are. Uh, but you told me during the break you've been to every football game. What do you think right now? You know, not not probably not everyone, but um, I've been to a number of them. It's exciting. Our coach does a phenomenal job. Our students are just incredible. Um, it, it, and we're so proud in Onalaska of all of our activities. Um, our activities uh, director, Jason Thierry, does a, just an incredible job uh, making sure that we have quality offerings for our students. And on the, on the flip side, we had a state meet, a state cross-country meet this weekend, and Onalaska brought home the title as yes. uh, the boys' individual title, Manny Putts. He's just a sophomore, so the way it works in boys' cross-country is 
these guys just get faster. They get they get, they get, they just keep getting faster as they go on across country. And if you watch the end of the race there, uh, the Division One state race, Manny Manny, I don't know how tall he is, but the guy he was running against seemed very tall as compared to Manny. And those two were neck and neck. Uh, down the final stretch, and Manny won the state championship by 0.2 seconds. 0. 0.2 so you seconds. can't even, I don't even, that's probably literally a nose. He probably literally, by like the lean of his head, um, you know, and then hearing him afterwards, you got to wait a while because he can't talk immediately afterwards. He, and I've, I used to run quite a bit, so, and, and there's no comparison, but the, the way he described how his body felt afterwards, I was like, yeah, I could, I could only imagine a uh, hundred times worse than any race that I've ever run. Uh, just the the amount of pain he was in down there. Just he was dead out sprint with this other guy to win a state championship, and then in cross country, it's it's such a different it's a different sport in in terms of that because it's an individual thing, but it's pretty cool too. Oh, absolutely! Very proud of Manny also, and and uh, all cross country runners. Um, and then uh, just related, CFC's girls team won the state championship, and CFC Cockerham Fountain City, just north of here, uh, won a boys individual title and a girl's individual title. So it's pretty cool to, to see uh, the area represented at the state meet. All right, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to mess it up. Capital, capital referendum, $75 million on the ballot. I don't know how the question is posed. Maybe you do. Maybe you have it written down there, um, Todd. But um, how, how are you feeling right now with the, the – because if I was, if I was, say, if I was to, to gauge lacrosse's $194.7 million referendum, I would feel not great about it passing, but how do you feel about on Alaska? Well, one of the things we did leading up to the board deciding to uh, pass resolutions to put the questions on the ballot was to conduct a community survey. And the community survey um, came back very positively for the operational referendum – when we looked at our architectural facilities study, if we were to remediate all of the deficiencies in our facilities, it would have been about $110 million. And the uh, community survey came back telling us that that was too big of an ask. But when we asked about us, the $75 million, um, the, the feedback there was much more positive. And so the $75 million is what the um, school board settled on as a referendum question. And we anticipate about $50 million of that will go to um, a complete renovation of our middle school. And about $25 million will go to some of the most pressing needs at the high school. Yeah, and while you have two questions on the ballot, one capital, one operational, operational the capital one is also kind of split. It's not two questions, but it is split. So $50 million to essentially remodel the entire school. This, the middle school was built in 1978. I know exactly how that feels because I was also born in 1978, and if you could remodel me, it would be great. <laughs> that doesn't work for humans all that well. Uh, surgeries aren't great, but uh, you know, in terms of updating the school, is there, is there just big, you're, here's the biggest thing. But when you talk about remodeling school, it sounds like we're just going to remodel the whole school. Well, and that's what the recommendation of the architect was when they looked at uh, the deficiencies in that building, it was, um, it was all-inclusive. It was n- needing um, work on the HVAC uh, system, plumbing, electrical, uh, the building envelope. Uh, in addition, the architects looked at uh, some of our programming needs. And one thing that surprised me was that the middle school has the smallest square foot per student in our classrooms of any of our buildings. Uh, so 
that that's something that needs to be. And middle schoolers are so angsty; they they're <laughs> always moving around, right? Like of all the all the kids, maybe maybe first graders are a little move around a little bit more, but I feel like middle schools don't don't even know how to control themselves. Correct, and and some other areas, such as our science labs and the tech ed department, really haven't been updated since the original building was put up. So those are areas that we really feel like need to be addressed. To, so you're running 1978 tech in your tech department? <laughs> yeah, well, some of it no, is. I'm, I'm sure some of those bandsaws are that 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 vintage. Um, all right, and then so the middle school is almost kind of a complete. Anything in the middle school good besides the foundation? Are we good anywhere else? Yeah, I think. Well, that's that's why we look at um, a renovation in, 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 instead of like a complete teardown. Is that there are a lot of cost savings with a renovation because we're not just taking a wrecking ball to the building. Uh, absolutely not. It was originally built as an open concept school, and uh, for people who remember the Northern Hills renovation, this will be very similar uh, in, in scope in terms of what will be done. And so you get to a point in demolition, and, and you're looking at basically the steel framework of the school and what can be saved with the roof and other, and maybe parts of the exterior, but um, otherwise it's a complete redo. And we want we want to open concept again. So did we un did we close the concept yeah. in the in the last what forty four years? Yeah, it, I think it was about two thousand and six when they put walls up to define um, classrooms and corridors. Uh, so there are walls, but the problem with some of that is when they did that, they didn't update the HVAC. So um, walls then define the space that you're heating and cooling, but without updating the HVAC. Some rooms on a given day might be 86 degrees, and some rooms might be 66 You just got to figure out what, no, no, not trying to be sexist here, but I've, I have a girlfriend, and she's always cold, so we got to put the, the female teachers in the in the super hot rooms and the male teachers. But then again, students are, are still in there. I don't, I don't know. If I was a, a student, I'd be like, um, I don't want to go to the 86-degree classroom. I'd rather be over here. Right. <laughs> One of the other things we're trying to remedy, too, is um, the central office is – right in the core of the building. And well, that's would, why it's called Central. Right, yes. <laughs> uh, but you would never design a school that way today. The The main office of the middle school with the with the renovation would be part of the main entrance where people would come and go through the office. Right now when you uh, enter the building off of Quincy Street, you're literally walking into the old open concept part. You're walking into a corridor and the library, which uh, is just not not ideal for student engagement and learning. So those right. are some of the main things to remediate at the middle school. All right, let's go to the high school. There's $25 million part of this this uh, capital referendum question on the ballot. The voting period ends Tuesday. So what, what are the highlights of the, the high school? Yeah, so at the high school, um, we're leaning on the recommendations that came about from a community-led task force that took the architectural study and really dove deep into the needs and came up with a list of priorities for the school board to consider. And, and we've, we've uh, relied on, on that heavily to prioritize um, the needs of the high school. The first one is handicap accessibility. There are many areas of the high school that are not handicap accessible. So remediating those areas. Uh, a lot of the conversation with the task force also was if students at the middle school are going to experience a, a, a new tech ed and a new science program, um, 
that that experience should continue as they go through the well, high school. When they school get to also. high school, it'll be like going into a time warp, and they'll go <laughs> back would. in time and be like Back to the Future. It would, yes. <laughs> so, so science and tech ed are priority areas at the high school right now. Also, are the schools close? They're not real. Are they like middle school and the high school close? Uh, well, not that far away. Maybe a mile or so. Um, okay, so it wouldn't be feasible are... to be like, here's the tech department, and then run all the middle and high schoolers through there somehow. No, not no, feasible. that's not. You know, there are some districts that have, like, a single campus where that might be more feasible because all of your students are under one roof, um, but but not here in our situation. Um, how close were you to just doing maybe, like, similar to what lacrosse said, and we, let's just build a new either middle school or a new high school? Well, Onalaska's always taken the approach to renovate um, their existing buildings, so... Um, going back to 2006, we uh, passed a referendum to renovate Irving Perch, which is a beautiful school uh, with the renovation. 2014, uh, we went to a re- referendum to renovate Northern Hills. Uh, so we're really um, looking out for you know, what we believe is taxpayers' interest because the cost of renovating is significantly lower than building new. Um, and, and the reality is in Alaska, there's not a lot of available space where you could think about building the big number, people believe it or not, the big number in lacrosse is eight dollars per hundred thousand dollars on your property tax bill going forward. When this, uh, first of all, what is the timeline for um, you know renovating the middle school, and then also what is the you know that number for property tax per hundred thousand or whatever you want to do? Sure, there? yeah, absolutely. Well, with a past referendum, we would immediately start working with the architect on on entering into a design phase and the selection of a general contractor. With the hope of, of um, breaking ground as soon as we can next spring. Oh, okay. And uh, but in terms of jackhammers uh, during right, class, right? Is that well, we, we were able to maintain pro- student programming through the Northern Hills renovation. Okay. And, and I was in that building quite often, and it, it wasn't the most ideal learning environment with all the construction noise. But we were able to maintain a continuum of programming through construction, and that would be the anticipation at the, in the middle school also. But in terms of tax impact, I guess one of, this is the most recent uh, headline is uh, where we were anticipating about $174 per 100000 valuation. Our new state aid certification came out on October 14th and um, indicated that we were, go- we were getting uh, more in state aid than we had originally anticipated, which means then that the local tax levy would be reduced the two offset each other, which then brought the, uh, the the tax impact on the capital referendum from 174 down to 65, about 65 dollars per hundred thousand valuation, and so we just see that as very positive news. Also moving forward, how long ago did that news come out? Well, October 14th is when we received the aid certification. Were you kind of like, come on, like that's pretty late in the game, right? I mean, well, it's part of the. Part I mean, of it's the, great news and kind of like annoying news to get to get it that late. Yeah, the funding for public education, the timelines and for decision making are are very interesting. So we get our aid certification on October eight, uh, October 15th, for the fiscal year that started July 1st. So we're already months into our fiscal year before all of those things are set and determined for us. So it makes uh, planning a little more difficult as we try to run projections and understand exactly what the impact of all of that is. All right, that's Todd Antoni, the Onalaska School Superintendent. All right, we're going to take one more break and wrap up when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. I guess don't, don't call me. 
that's too late. But uh, Todd and Tony here, the Onalaska School Superintendent, we'll let you we'll let you plug this stuff so people can figure out where and what if they want to read. And then off, also, you're gonna you're gonna say give you a call. How many people are just giving you a call to like rant and rave about the the referendum question or, or do that? They have questions for you. Yeah, well, I guess the first thing is we did um, four general informational sessions for the public in addition to going and speaking to different groups. And the questions we've received have been uh, great questions. And there's public school funding is complicated. So to try to work through it and, and digest it in a meaningful way is difficult. But absolutely, anyone who has questions about the referendum should feel free to call our district office and ask for me. I'm happy to speak and to anyone to answer any questions that people might have. Also, um, we do have uh, on alaskareferendum.org website that has all of the information uh, on it. And that's our point here now is to make sure that our residents have all of the information that they need uh, leading into the, uh, the vote November 8th next Tuesday to make an informed decision on, on the referendum questions for the School District of Onalaska. Two questions on the ballot for uh, if you if you have your ballot or if you go vote on Tuesday, a capital question, that's the $75 million question, and an operational question, which is like a five-year plan type question? Five years, um, yep, that allow us to uh, increase our operational referendum each year. All right, so all, the, all you in Onalaska, that's what you could expect on your ballot. Thanks, Todd. Thank you. All right, we'll do it again tomorrow.